You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. I'm your producer, Drake. I wouldn't say host because I am not on this episode. As we said before, as I said yesterday, this is part two of the conversation between Dave and Max, where they, I think they do a really good job at diving into why the situation, while the circumstances are so similar, almost exactly alike to the end of the Taggart era, why it feels oh so different and the trajectory is actually on the up and up. I don't agree with everything that they're saying. However, I think they make a lot of really good points, and I think they actually nail home why we are in a much better spot now than we were a few years ago at the end of that. So I'm not going to hold you guys back any further. Without further ado, here's Max and Dave on a tangent as always, but that's why we love them, folks. You look at Willie Taggart, and I don't mean to kick the guy while he's down, but I think there's a lot of tiptoeing around glass that I do on Willie Taggart. And I think that we as long-term fans are forced to do, but I'm just, I I just want to put it bluntly. I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't excited about Willie Taggart. I was, I thought the story of him grabbing Jane large would be off of Twitter at the last minute was awesome. I thought him saying he wants white end zones and, he wants to bring back the old uniforms and stuff was great. I thought the fact that he grew up a Florida state fan was incredible. I was fired up and I wanted him to succeed. I don't understand this. Like I've never, I will never root for a Florida state coach to fail. I don't, if I don't get to decide who we hire, right? Yeah. If we hire Dan Mullen tomorrow, if Mike yeah. Norbell quit, I'm serious though. And we grabbed, we grabbed Dan Mullen or pick someone you hate. I don't like, I'm not going to root for him to fail. I'm just not. I want, I need Florida State's coach to succeed because that means Florida State succeeds, right? And, but I'm also going to be honest about what we saw. We saw a guy who was coming off a six and six season. I get it. Justin Herbert had gotten hurt and that was excusable sort of. But then we look back to South Florida and he'd had what, like one good year? And it's like, oh, okay, it takes time to get it going. Same thing at Western Kentucky. He'd gotten it kind of going, had like one or two good years then he bounced. He was a guy, I mean, he was the type of guy that got the program up to a certain level and then he cashed out. And it's not like you look at UCF, right? When Scott Frost left UCF, what happened? They stayed relevant. They stayed good because he built a sustainable program. When Willie Tiger would leave places, it was a fire drill to try to, to try to, you know, stop the bleeding. You look at what Mario Cristobal had to do out there. I mean, I think people can say whatever they want. And, and I want to, by the way, cause I know there's a lot of talented journalists on our beat. And I know there's some great podcasters on our beat. Don't mistake me with them. I am a content creator. I am a little in the know. I'm a Florida state booster. I talked to some folks, but I don't have the sources they do. So don't take this as like gospel, but this is a lot of conjecture on my part. I think there's a reason Cristobal didn't come with Taggart to Florida State. Like, I think there's a, a very strong reason that a guy from Miami who went to Christopher Columbus High School chose to stay in the Pacific Northwest over coming back to Florida. When, by the way, there was a lot of writing on the wall that that Miami job was going to open up soon. So for me, if he'd wanted to, if it, I'm not going to say if he'd wanted to, if he hadn't not wanted to be with Willie Taggart, if he even remotely thought this is a guy that is worth working for for another year. Why wouldn't he have come to Tallahassee as a coordinator 
and then started gunning for that Miami job when it opened up. And again, maybe I sound foolish. Maybe there's more backwoods, backroom stuff that I'm aware of, but I think it was very telling they stayed. So anyway, when Willie leaves, there's a fire drill. When a good coach like Scott Frost that really builds a program leaves, there is continued success with the next guy. I mean, what happened? Bob Stoops, a Bob Stoops, sorry, I doc, but Bob Stoops, a generational coach. I mean, he's one of the best to ever do it. I don't give a what you think about Oklahoma. The reality is with Bob Stoops, and this is an incredible stat. I won't say it right, but he was the best. He was the most efficient college football coach of the first 15 years of the century. If you look at recruiting class rankings to final AP poll rankings of the team, he was unquestionably the most efficient football coach of getting kids who were like a top 10, top 15 class level and finishing in the top five all the time versus, you know, some of these schools where, yeah, they're great football teams, but they, you know, have top five talent every year. He leaves Lincoln Riley's still making playoffs. That's right? incredible. So I think, again, I know this is really long winded, but whatever folks we're we're chilling here. We're boys, we're buddies. We're hanging out. It's America's birthday this week. Come on. If you're not excited to hang out, then I don't know what to tell you. Cause I'm bummed. Dave's pumped. Everyone's pumped. But yeah. I, I think kids can sense that. And I, so I think sensing that Norvell is really building something insulates against that a bit. And I think too, it's, it's expectation setting. It's as simple as that. Like if I were to tell you it's 28 degrees outside right now, would you be happy about it? Oh, uh, nope. No, who would be 28 degrees. And I'm, I mean, Fahrenheit, obviously we don't use whatever that other thing is, but this is in Canada. <laughs> I can't believe the Habs are in the Stanley Cup. Gosh, dude, that's good. Anyway, uh, let's talk about Barber. It doesn't matter. If I was going to tell you it's 28 degrees, yeah, you'd be like, well, that sucks. But you would grab a jacket, you put on some pants, you might, you might put some gloves or a hat on because you'd be expecting it to be 28 degrees outside. And then, hey, if it was 36, you'd be like, well, actually, it's not as bad as I was expecting. Uh, you know, I could probably actually take these gloves off. But if I were to tell you, hey, it's a beautiful day outside, I'm not lying to you. Maybe the sun's out, which you've lived in Massachusetts. You know, a weird phenomenon of the North is that it can be bright, sunny, and beautiful and picturesque. Freezing. 22 degrees outside. It's weird. Dude, first time I saw it, I was like, it was freezing one morning. I'd probably lived there for five days. And I'm like, oh, good. Because I decided to move up north on January 1st. Brilliant strategy. And uh, yeah, that happened. I'm like, oh, good. The sun's out. I probably don't need my job. I need it. I need a jacket, jacket, jacket. Yeah. Well, welcome to the north, Max. Yeah. So anyway, so if I were to say it's a beautiful day outside and you open your door in a short sleeve t-shirt and some gym shorts and it's 28 degrees or even 45 degrees, you're going to be pretty pissed off at me. And you're probably not going to want to go along with whatever else I planned for us that day. So I think Willie Taggart, it was clear he was not building a sustainable program. I think it was clear that, or not clear, I think he set expectations extremely poorly. I mean, just, he is a business school case study in how to not set expectations when you come into a transformational role to the point where I wonder, I do wonder how much of it was he himself grew up a Florida State fan in the 90s and just didn't have an ability to see past his his fandom almost and accept where Florida State was and accept what he was taking over. I, I don't know. Max is right. With great expectations comes great power and great responsibility. That also means when you don't meet those expectations, 
you dig yourself into a very deep hole, and eventually, in the world of college football, you end up getting fired, or worse, on the hot seat. And if you're on the hot seat, you can bet that betonline.ag has you on their first coach's fired odds for the upcoming season. And I can assure you that Clay Hilton and Coach Orgeron are going to be on there. But if you want to go a different route with the gambling, they have MLB covered, NBA, NHL, and also they have UFC MMA. Me personally, I am looking much, very much forward to the UFC 264 action that's coming up in about a week. And I'll give you a little bit more of my picks real quick. I got Dustin Poirier over Conor McGregor really quick. I think it's a third-round knockout, so take that to the bank. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you'll get 50-50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using promo code Locked On. Once again, sign up, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using the promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. So I think it's those two things. And I think three, when you look at a Willie Taggart class, you know, I I wish I had a list of like who was committed at which times. And I could kind of, because remember, this is the class he ended with that I'm going to look at right now in, in the 2019 class after the 18 season. So you look at who he ended with and it's like, okay, his top recruits were a cornerback, a safety, a cornerback. Okay. Yeah. Definitely need an offensive guard and Dante Lucas, uh, a pat, a, a you know, Quayshon Fuller, defensive end. So I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you kind of look and it's like, all right, another another backer, a backer, safety, another strong side defensive end, cornerback. I don't need to read the whole list. The point I'm making is like it seemed a lot more like they were star chasing and they were just going, they were going with the draft strategy of take the best player on the board at any given time. And then I look at our class now and it seems to be much more intentional. We are going for kids that are in positions of need which translates, I would assume, into a very legitimate playing time pitch, right? Because it's not yeah. just, oh, you're a great player and our team's not that great. It's like, hey, your position group isn't that great and you're good at that position. So I think that is where you're seeing the the four-star offensive linemen come in. That's where you're seeing the, the linebacker, the defensive linemen that want to come here. I think that's where you're seeing the quarterback position because they can look at it and say, okay, well, you know, um, you, you know what the beauty of this discussion is? We don't know that Mike Norvell is going to work out. He may not, but we do know that as of right now, even after only a couple of years, he is different than Willie Taggart in ways that matter. Again, how it turns out, that's to be seen. But we do know that it's different and there is reason to think that it's going to end up different, even though we kind of have to keep Norvell around because we don't have the money to get rid of him. And, and then that that rolls me into my next point when they're being more intentional about the positions they're selecting, opening up the playing time, select the playing time pitch. Well, the other side of that coin, buddy, is there is a much better playing time pitch to be made. Unfortunately. I mean, you look at Willie Taggart's classes, right? The 2018 class that he had to save was following up a sixth ranked class in 2017, which was following up a third ranked class in 2016, which was following up a third ranked class in 2015. Whereas the 2022 class will be following up what I think was a modest save, a, a good job by Money Mike, but a 23rd ranked class, which is following up a 22nd ranked class, which is following up a, what, a like a 19th ranked class, I think. My 
yeah, computer's a little frozen and you know you got to click through these things but point being there there is a much better argument for playing time to be made because and i think the other the last thing so i've got five points i guess max's five point plan um you know is one i think they the kids can sense that a real solid program is being built versus like just salesmanship two i think we're going to be insulated from a five to seven win season knocking us back because we're setting expectations a lot better. We're acknowledging where we are. We're acknowledging what it's going to take to get to the next thing. I think three, we're, we're being much more intentional with going after positions of need versus just trying to get kids with a lot of stars. And I think four, there is a legitimate playing time pitch to be made. And to piggyback on that, there isn't a, at least, not yet. Mike Norvell does not have a proven track record of demonstrable lack of development of talent. Now, would it be fair to say Willie Taggart had that? No, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be an asshole to Willie Taggart when it calls for it. But Dave, tell me if I'm being too kind to the guy. I don't think it's fair to say he necessarily, when he was getting his recruiting classes, had proven he was mismanaging talent because he hadn't been here long enough. But I think it is fair to say the program was mismanaging talent. We were watching a lot of talent not, not get you know where they should have been based on star rankings. And Willie Taggart didn't have a proven record that he was going to do any better. So it was like, look, you've just gotten again within. We're talking about the kids who are in Willie Taggart's like first and second class. So class of 2018, class of 2019. They're like, look, the kids still on campus. We're in top five and top ten recruiting classes, and none of them are panning out really other than like, you know, cam acres. Right. So what's, what makes me think if I go to Florida state, I'm going to be developed in a way that I will pan out and they look at Willie's track record and it's like literally nothing. There was nothing there to, to prevent against that. So I don't know if Mike Norvell has a positive record in that sense. I mean, he's known to, to be good with players, but he also, again, is dealing with a program that's brought in less talent over the past three years. So there hasn't been the same stark mismanagement to go, Oh, maybe I'll get mismanaged in this program. But there's layers to it because like, for example, Willie Taggart hired, was it coach Fry as our offensive line coach. Right. And he could not do anything useful on the field. And, and that probably coupled with the fact that he may not have been a good recruiter of offensive line talent or didn't give off a good impression to those kids. You couple those two things and we were bad at offensive line and we weren't getting offensive linemen to make it better. Right now, Coach Atkins came in and if you look, we've looked this up and it's ridiculous. What he did, if you look at like the advanced stats on offensive line play, he took literally one of the five worst offensive lines in the country and made it, I think we were top third in the country this year. And if you're a kid looking to play offensive line, you're going to see that. And in addition to all these things you're saying about what Norvell is doing and saying, it seems to be the right things. You're going to think I can actually be a good offensive lineman there. And that wasn't something that was happening before for so many reasons. So it, it's a layered thing. Like hiring the right coaches is part of that. It's, it's part of that, I guess, foundation you're talking about. So here's what I love about Dave. Dave always says something that I can make a reference to, like a pop culture reference to. Uh, Max is kind of the same way with that too. And he, you know, describes the foundation of the coaching staff as layers. Now, 
I know some of y'all are thinking, oh, Shrek, you know, ogres, you know, are like onions. They have layers. Nah, I'm talking about donkey right now. I'm talking about how a cake has layers. And trust me, right now, my sweet tooth, it's turning on. But I am not going to go grab the Snickers that's actually in my backpack. I am actually going to go grab a delicious and healthy Built Bar. Built Bar has not eight, not nine, but 19 amazing flavors. With the birthday cake one that just came out as well. We have Max over here with the peanut butter brownie flavor. I'm more of the Cherry Barcia guy. And I can tell you folks right now that in a close second place, Double Chocolate has actually came through. And it's my second favorite thing. I have two boxes of the variety pack actually in my desk right now at work. And I can't hold back any longer. I love Built Bar. The more deliciouser, that's right, Max, that's a word now, the more deliciouser protein bar. So head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Once again, that promo code is LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your first order. No more candy bars, folks. We're doing Built Bars from now on. It's summer. It's time to hit the pool. Time to hit the beach. I'm going to hit the boat with the guys on on Saturday and Sunday. So we're going to be rocking with the Built Bars. Let's go, baby. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And look, we could be having this conversation two years from now. God, I hope not. Because if we are, we probably aren't doing it on this podcast, quite frankly. But we could be having this conversation two years from now and thinking, oh, no, where did we go wrong with Norbell? And I will, I would point to the fact that same thing I said about Willie. He doesn't really have a proven track record of developing guys, but he also hasn't really been at a school where he's had the opportunity to get the kind of guys that will develop into great players. So we will see. Will yeah. Will Kenny Dillingham be able to develop quarterbacks? I I don't know. I mean, I think you look at Jameis Winston. How did we get him? Well, simple. Jimbo Fisher turned Christian Ponder, who I, I'm not, not disparaging Christian Ponder. I thought he was a fine quarterback, especially for you know, where Florida state was at the time, but he turned Christian Ponder into a first round draft pick. And then he followed it up the next year by turning EJ Manuel, who given EJ was a five-star. So coming out of high school, it was kind of expected. And I think his performance is always going to be a little overshadowed by a little overshadowed by injury. And I don't, I, you know, I know we're going all over the place. Dave, how do you feel about that? Do you think EJ Manuel got a fair evaluation? Because I do think people forget how hurt he was and how much that team relied on him. And frankly, how close he was to playing for a national championship in 2012. I remember being at FSU and being so excited when EJ Manuel came in as a recruit and that he was the five-star that was going to not be Xavier Lee. He was the five-star that was going to actually be what FSU needed. He was a really good quarterback. The thing, though, that I will never forget, it's burned in my mind, is the spin sack. The 12-yard EJ Manuel spin sack. And, look, we weren't good at football no, during that time with. you just opened up a memory I forgot I had. Yeah, that, that'll stick with me. So, he was, a, he was a really good quarterback, but he'll never – look, he left and immediately we won a national championship. I mean – Well, that's true, but I think we also only won it – I mean, you look at a lot of those recruiting classes and EJ was the one that was the reason for a lot of them, in my opinion. You know, I think he was the one he came in in what, 08 as a highly rated five star recruit. You can't tell me that him being on the roster wasn't a big part of 09. And you look at 11 again, just the injuries were 
I, I mean, 2011, we were a much better team than our record indicated. We had to play Clint Trickett against Oklahoma, and that was still a one-score game going into the fourth. Then we had to play him at Clemson, where I'm pretty sure we turned the ball over like three times and still only barely lost to him. Anyway. Max, FSU, NC State. Just FSU, NC State. But like he, but that's, he can only do so much, man. I mean, you, that, the play calling in that game, I still forever, as long as I live, will put that game firmly on Jimbo Fisher's shoulders. I mean, that was the most, I, I think Jimbo saw the, I, I think he wrote his score on the card before he'd sunk the putt. And he just was like, all right, we, this was the trap game. We're up 17, 16, zero. We just got to get through this. And then we're going to play for a national championship. And he, I mean, that I was at that game. That was the worst play calling I've seen in a half of football in my life. If, if we leave y'all with anything today, folks, that is, uh, I guess that's, that's where we'll leave it. I mean, Dave, I think it was a great question. Why is this different? And if we win five games, if it's not a great year, why should we be optimistic that we won't see, you know, recruits fleeing for the lifeboats? And I think it's those five points. I think one better organization being built under Mike Norvell, he's doing the blocking and tackling, right? He's sharpening the pencils. He's straightening the papers. He's not just winging it, you know, and as part of that, he's setting expectations far better than Willie Taggart did. I don't know if it's, being more self-aware. I don't know if it's a different strategy or a little bit of both in between there. I think three, we're being much more intentional on the recruiting trail. We're getting kids that know the deal that are in positions where they're going to be needed and that are being sold on playing time, which leads us to point four. There is a lot more playing time to be had because again, these kids, unlike the 2018 class are not coming into a locker room filled with kids who are in a like tops five, top three, top three class right behind them. And the final point being that we had seen because of those recruiting classes that made their maybe not as great of a playing time sell, there had been vivid, very clearly observed mismanagement of talent by the program. And Willie Taggart didn't have the pedigree to say, hey, I won't do what that last administration did. While I think this administration doesn't really have that pedigree either, but there also hasn't been the same total, hey, how did a top three class put one guy in the NFL when they should have, you know what I mean, type deal that Willie Taggart was having to deal with. So I think we look at those five things. It gives me optimism about the season. But the thing that really gives me optimism is all of you folks. Thanks for listening. We love to have you. We love to entertain you. We love to give you a little dose of Florida State content. And I promise the minute I become a billionaire, I will make sure there are sports year round, but folks, we can see the light. It's 629 right now, not time. It's the 29th of June. I should have said it that way. I apologize, which means we're almost in July, which means camp is starting soon, which means it's almost preseason, which means it is almost football season. So thanks for rocking with us, folks. I hope y'all have a fantastic Wednesday or Thursday if we split this into two episodes. However, that works. Have a great rest of your week. I'm Max. I had Dave with me, and this was Locked on Seminoles. No.